This is Out for One Sports, your podcast for all things Philly sports. Let's get into it. Yo! Good evening, everybody. This is Tom with Alpha One Sports. And this is Anthony with Alpha One Sports. And. What? <laughs> and uh, today is Tuesday, April 13th, 9.40 p.m. And want to give a quick shout out to our father, Tom Carroll, whose birthday is today, turning 56 years old. Happy birthday, Dad. Happy, happy birthday. We know you're listening. Yeah, you better listen giving you a shout out so uh sports wise aside from the sixers not so great this week not so great it's just uh guys we suck flyers uh well uh today they just lost to the capitals six to one ironically first game for michael roffle after we traded him to the capitals for a fifth round pick this year. Did he even play today? No, I'm assuming not. Not a hundred percent if he did, but no, he's not up on the roster. Yeah, but you know, <laughs> kind of funny. First game on that roster, though. <sighs> Be honest, I really wasn't watching it because I was more trying to watch the Phillies today. And I, after an inning, uh, after the first Phillies game was over, because it's a doubleheader today, I switched it over to the Flyers game, and it was already four to one. And I'm like, f this. Like, these guys, again, just there's no defense, no heart. These guys are just out of place, looking lethargic. And, you know, these goalies, just both of them now. And I think we talked about how we were afraid that this was going to start happening to Moose. These, these guys can't save anything. You yeah, know, exactly. You know, yesterday, last year they were bailing guys out when they were making bad plays, but this year they can't stop anything, and it's just tragic. You know, it you know it started to look like maybe this this week wasn't going terrible because we went two two and one against Boston, uh, beat them beat them in overtime and then uh, beat them in regulation, and then uh, lost to them you know only four, you know four to two last Tuesday. Uh, but then you know we go and blow a lead to the Sabers and gives the Sabers another victory this season and it's just and then today we go and get our butts kicked by the Capitals. How many? games this year have we given up like six plus goals it's getting ridiculous the other thing too is how many games are you taking leads and then you're just blowing it to teams like buffalo yeah like these guys just aren't playing with any heart and it's just it's sad i think they're just i feel like the way this trade deadline went down they're packing it in you know maybe not so much selling the farm but just saying hey yeah we're kind of done this season yeah they allowed for a couple guys that are you know on the fence to you know have their opportunity to be with contenders. I don't see Montreal as a huge contender with Eric Gustafson being traded for what was that a seven round pick, but they're retaining fifty percent of the salary. Yeah, he really wasn't. You know, he's addition by subtraction. He really did two things, Jack, and you know what else for us. He he looked good maybe the first two games. Thought maybe he was going to be an offensive defenseman, but after that, he was pretty much disappeared. Yeah, and didn't really pan out. Yeah. Rolfo was a nice player. You know, sad to see him go. He has been with us for eight years, contributed, 
uh, a fair amount, but this year he was pretty quiet and, you know, had his injury problems this year as well. So, you know, uh, we're going to have to start selling off some pieces. I think after this season, though, you're <sighs> Giroux probably going to be a little harder to get rid of with his no-trade clause. Same with Kevin Hayes. Um, I would give him another season, though, to see if he can turn it around. But And, you know, Coots, again, I would give him another season. I think he's going to be all right. But these other guys, there's really should be nobody else on this team that's untouchable as far as trade, training goes. Right. I mean, it's time to out with the old and in with the new. You know what I mean? you got a lot of young guys down on the farm. It probably will be another couple of years. But um, start to really emphasize on these young guys, bring in some veterans to compliment them. Um, you shouldn't have the veterans and then the young guys complimenting them because it's just not working anymore. Yeah, these veterans just really aren't doing all that much. I mean, a goal here and there, maybe an assist here and there, but they're the ones that night in and night out are supposed to be giving you results, and they're just not doing that. You know, you expect more from your captain in Giroux, and he's just, he doesn't act like a captain. You don't get that captain aura from him. Exactly. Like you yeah. would, like you would from a guy like Eric Lindros. Sad to say it, I hate to say this, but a guy like Crosby, um, Ovechkin, things like that. Like you just, you don't get that from him. He, he he just has the C on his chest, and I just feel like he doesn't do anything with it. You know what I exactly. mean? Exactly. I mean, a couple of years ago, he used to do everything for this team, and now he's. I mean, obviously, age plays a huge factor in that, but he just he's invisible. I think he's just a complimentary guy at this point. It's. I mean, the age has kind of dwindled down on him. Yeah, I hear you, man. And like I said, Voracek too. In other news, though, the and we re-signed Scott Lawton for five years, 15 mil. He, he's, for the most part, plays well for us. I know we've kind of trashed him on this show a couple, a couple times. You know, that one game against Boston where he gave up a boneheaded penalty that led to them tying the game up and then winning in overtime. And then he came back and had a hat trick. But most recently, I, I can't remember, was it, was it the Islanders or... I think it was the Islanders of Boston where he had like two breakaways and he could not finish for the life of him. And then yeah, an, yeah. and then that same game, he like has a great uh, open ice shot and brings it off the post. And it's just like, get it in the net, man. You got to be able to Lawton finish. That Lawton is so hot right now. Yeah, that Lawton really is not hot right now. But hey, he's got some more money and it's going to be with us a little longer. So it's a young guy for the most part. I think he'll turn it around next season too. Maybe if we get a couple more different players in here switch up the chemistry maybe maybe we'll start seeing some more results out of him i mean he's a guy i mean like one of the the guys that hits me in the head is like james white uh that you know played for this team he's got that grit he's got the speed you know he's good grinder looking player to me you know we always like those guys those guys end up you know leaving the team off for you know cheaper deals or you know earning a little bit more money i feel like it was actually a good thing to keep you know, Scott Walton here and, uh, you know, good third, fourth line player that, I mean, when you need him, he, he is there. Yeah, he does make those bonehead mistakes, but, I mean, he's really turned into your knit and grit kind of guy. Yeah, so hopefully, I mean, I think this year's a wash. I'm not going to really worry about any more development. I mean, anything can happen. You know, we can, you know, catch fire and put some games in couple wins in a row and maybe climb back into this thing but i'm not really counting on it the way they're playing the way the goalies are playing you never know but hopefully maybe they can at least turn out something positive towards the end of this season give us something to look forward to next season maybe we can uh look for a guy like cam york to step up next season um one guy i was hoping we you know they'd ship off because i'm just kind of getting tired of him because he's so soft as nolan patrick 
Yeah, I mean, that's another hard one, too. To me, you, you get one of those feelings that he goes elsewhere, and he's just going to be lights out. I feel like we always... it's it, Even, like, any sport, it's always... You know, we get these guys who think they're going to be so good or not, and then they go off and they play much better. You know, to me, I feel like as a second overall pick, you know, I don't ever think he really has gotten his feet off the ground with this team. I mean, he had the, the chronic migraine, you know, disorder, you know, last year that hampered him. Um, I feel like he's another guy you need to give at least one more year for. Maybe, but I just I just see him as a very soft player, injured very easily, had those migraine issues last year, and just really hasn't done anything this year that really impressed me or has made me think he will be something going forward. I think he was an overrated pick, in my opinion, you know, looking back on it. Yeah, that was kind of an overrated draft. Because yeah, I don't think the other guy, uh, Nico Hershiser, I think his name is, I don't think well, he's really I believe, much. if I'm not mistaken, I think he's now the Devil's captain. I just don't hear his name brought up all that often. So Yeah, he is the captain of the Devils. But yeah, it was just really didn't even bother trying to watch it today just because I'm so down on them. And go, lo and behold, as soon as I even try to turn it on, they're already down four to one. It's just it's an it's an absolute joke. Um Luckily though, six goals for once we don't give up a hat trick. You know, can't can't even count how many we've given up this season. Right. It is it is definitely frustrating though. I mean, you had such a great season last year, came crumbling down because you had a you know tough team in the Islanders. Not saying they're a great team. I don't think they're a great team, but um, they just they just had the talent to take on you know the Flyers last year. But I feel like you had high hopes this year. You know, Carter Hart's going to be the next coming. You know, he's going to be the next great thing for this city. And, you know, is this going to be like an Eagles 2.0 or they going to ruin him? Because yeah. they didn't supply the right talent. Next, you know, he's a young guy. Yeah. Uh, next season, I really hope they retool that defense from top to bottom. Uh, I think you can really start with guys like Provy and Sam Moran. And let me just say, too, when – that Buffalo game. Why the heck are you sitting Sam around? He's the only one doing anything worthwhile, aside from yeah. uh, Ghost, uh, who's scoring. You know, Moran's actually being physical, actually playing defense, lighting people up. You need that right now. And I mean, I understand he's making a couple boneheaded penalties. You know, being the uh, goon, so to speak. But but that's his player type. That's yeah. that's who he is. He's you know he has the potential. I don't want to say he's going to be, but he has the potential to be like a Chris Pronger type player. And that's something I mean, Flyers sorely miss. We've been we've been waiting for that for years, though. So, you know, Sam Moran was drafted back in 2013, and I remember I was going nuts about that, and I was you know yelling to April like, "Oh my God, we got the next Chris Pronger. This guy's a beast. He's going to be great in the NHL." And just years and years and years of oh yeah, he'll make it this year. He'll get on the team, and then eventually you forget about him. I mean, he's had his fair share of injuries, too. You know, unfortunate uh, ACL tears and stuff. But this yeah. year, you know, if I, you know, between going from the taxi squad to the roster, back to the taxi squad, back to the roster, finally sticking with the roster, he's actually kind of, he's actually been one of the bright spots this season. 
you know, I was expecting big things this year, like you said, after last season, you know, had a good playoff run, you know, in the round robin. We started to falter a little bit in that first round against the Canadians, didn't quite look as good as we did in that round robin. And then we made it seven games with the Islanders, you know, could have been anyone's uh, hockey game there. And then ultimately we really flounder in that seventh game. But, you know, they gave us high hopes for this season. And they came off looking strong, like, you know, they were going to be the same. But then they hit that wall when all those guys went on the COVID protocol. And then when they went to uh, Tahoe and, you know, had a brain fart against Boston out there. And that's, I think, just when the season just went downhill and crumbled. And they just haven't been the same since. Yeah, because I remember early on in the season, it was like, oh, my God, this team is very efficient because they weren't shooting a lot. There wasn't a lot of shots on goal, but they were winning. You know, everybody was starting to say that they were efficient. But now those exposures kind of came out, and now they're really out. Right. And I just – I think I think the good hockey teams know when to shoot, and I think these guys are way too pass-happy. I think you've said, you know, a lot about how you're sick of the uh, – what you call conga it, the, line. the conga line passing on power yeah. plays, how they just have no speed when it comes to a power play when they – you know they always dumping and chasing. No, no, no plays set or set up. I, I want to next season. I would love to start seeing more crashing into the zone. Really set something up without having to dump that puck. The only time I really want to see the puck dumped is if you're making a line change. I don't want to see that when you're you're trying to chase it to set something up. Then, right. I one of the big things too. We're talking about the power play because like you always see the Congo line in the power play. You know, one of the big things is this team's power plays. You know, cycling is just so predictable. It's the same shit over and over again. You know, literally, uh, Provy passes to Giroux. Giroux passes it back to Provy. Provy shoots it back to uh, Giroux, and he, you know, tries to shoot, or he'll throw it right over to uh, Voracek, and he'll try to shoot. It's it's the same three or four tactics, and it's, you know, uh, I think they need a huge change. It's so dry. It's been dry for the last two or three years, this power play. Yeah, it's just, it's been crap. You know, and the good te- and the good teams, too, know when to shoot. You know, you start getting more pucks on net, you're going to score more often. You know, you're not always going to, you're not always going to get it in, but like the video game says, uh, what's his name? I can't remember the commentator's name in the game, but you, you can't, you can't score if you don't shoot or you or you can't score if you don't put the puck on the net, you know? Keep ripping it, and you never know. Get get a guy in in front of the goalie, screen him. And then, you know, for the love of God, too, I always... And I think I've said this, too, a lot. When you have the puck behind the net, get somebody in front of the net and get a centering pass in. Give us an opportunity to get a puck in there, you know? And try to have somebody around around that net at all times to pick up a rebound after the sh- shot is made. So I feel like half the time we shoot and then it goes elsewhere and we, we you know we can't do anything else with it. Yeah, I will say like it just seems like all the time you know the opposing team always gets these ridiculous, you know, lucky goals and I feel like the Flyers are never set up for these lucky kind of goals. They're always they're always out of position. I mean, there's always the rebound, and there's nobody there. It's just up. The opposing team gets the puck, and they they move on. You know, it's there's never that guy sitting there waiting for just a wide open net. 
Yeah, and I would start loving to see that where, you know, Puck, hit, Puck bounces off the goalie, he can't get over to the other side in time, boom, there it is. Like, why isn't that we never have somebody in place like that? And there's no, there's the other thing uh, defensively and, you know, with goaltending, those those moves are so predictable when you're watching it that it's how is the goalie not pre- preparing for those. You know, I've noticed, you know, with a lot of these games, uh, it's not been, you know, Carter Hart strong shoot, you know, when that puck gets, you know, passed over to the, the opposing side, it's always, it's always going to go in. I remember last year when he was making these crazy saves on these type of shots, and now all of a sudden it's just easy. Just sit there right next to him, and it's just easy in. Yeah, like he would used, he used to go from one side of the net to the other, diving over and swatting things away or catching them. You know, I remember that one crazy stop he made against the Avalanche either last season or the year before, and it just seems like he can't do that anymore. And then speaking of which, too, but like our defense just isn't helping them out. You know, like today I saw a goal that the Capitals scored on us. can't remember who it was, but like Sanheim just like screens our own goalie, screens uh, Moose, prevents him from, try, you know, getting over and – uh, you know, or no, not even that. Just pushes one of the caps into our goalie for the most part, and allows yeah. allows a goal in. It's just like we're always constantly out of place on defense, and it just drives me insane. Yeah, do you think? Uh, I'm I'm thinking of uh, Sabers game. Um, there's a controversial call where there's the kicking motion. How? Uh, I mean, the, even the commentators, like you got Keith Jones, even saying on the radio. You know, that, that was a kicking motion. That was not a goal. I mean, it was clearly not a goal. I mean, is, is it just me? I mean, or me and Keith Jones, or is this, you know, was that not a goal? Did you see that on the Sabres game? Yeah, like, I don't, I don't, I think I caught that one. You know, I think this past weekend I was really busy, as you know. Um, but as far as I'm concerned, uh, let me paint the picture and see if you can tell me if this was true or not. If his leg is moving forward at all, it's kicking motion. If it just if his leg is like just skating forward like normal, or I, I let me take that back. It's not so much going forward at all. It's, if it was just like a normal skating forward type deal, then no. I mean, it's not a kicking motion. But if he literally like pushes, he's it's got to look like he's pushing the puck in to make it a kicking motion. There's got to be some sort of motion with his leg. So what I got from it was our our player, like he was like kicking the puck, but right in that kicking motion, our guy, I'm trying to remember who it was, but our guy with his leg was then pushing the the Sabres player's leg deeper, so it was clearly made to be a goal. Yeah, like... Let me try to use this as an example. Like, if you're just walking forward, right, and somebody kicks a soccer ball at your foot and it just bounces off your foot goes forward, that's not a kicking motion. Yeah. You know, that's just you moving forward as you normally would. But, you know, if you actually try to, like, cause make your foot move the puck, then, yeah, that would be a kicking motion. Basically, your, uh, foot, your foot would have to leave the ground to, or in some way, to constitute a kicking motion. Yeah, like to me, like it could be a stopping motion. I don't know, but that foot was really dragging, like it was a kicking motion. It doesn't help that your own players guiding it too. I mean, the contact with the puck was 
prior to our player guiding the the leg. But to me, I I'm gonna I'm gonna say that that was not a goal. I would say that that should have been negated. But I mean, you know, refs in all sports are Terrible. horrible. And then I, I can't remember what game this was too. I, I don't know if this was, was this. I think this was Boston, or it might have been the Islanders. But Sam Moran got a game misconduct for a real weak boarding call. Man, like it was just a very small shove, I think, if anything. And that and the guy just crashed on the boards. Was that was that the Islanders? Because I know he like knocked that dude out. I think so, but like it was weak. It was soft. It, it just yeah. it should not have con. I don't even think it should have constituted a five minute major, let alone a game misconduct. Yeah. So, I mean, refs certainly didn't help us out during some of those games, but still, I mean, they ain't going to win it for us either. So, you know, between the defense just playing terrible and not getting any scoring, it's just, I'm, for the most part, I'm calling that the season's a wash. Let's move on. Let's move forward to the following season. Um, maybe I'm, hopefully I'm wrong. Maybe we can catch some fire. Maybe like the Blues did a couple years ago, but I'm not holding my breath. I mean, I, I would, uh, I would, uh, think Boston would have to diminish a little bit ever since they traded for Taylor Hall because Taylor Hall can never make the playoffs. Yeah, and that, but that's another thing too is everybody in front of us improved. You know, Capitals brought in a couple good players. Uh, you know, Boston did bring in Taylor Hall. I'm not going to say that's going to make a huge difference, but you never know. And then uh, Islanders brought in Palmieri and Zajac. So I, I think it's going to get it's going to get tougher on the Flyers. I think a big part of this season, too, is the fact that you're just playing your division is what's probably causing, you know, some of this these weird uh, yeah, streaky I, play. Like, I think if you're playing everybody, then, you know, you're going to get more wins. You're not going to see these guys as often. It just, I think if they're seeing you and how you're playing, they're going to get used to you. Yeah, and, you know, that's the other thing, too. You and know, the Flyers you, aren't capitalizing on it. No pun intended. Yeah, if you can't. You know, like a team like Boston, if you can't beat Boston, right? Mm-hmm. You know, Boston's only going to get better against you. They're not going to get worse. I mean, you we, they've won two games against Boston. It's better than none. It's better than one. But at the end of the day, you've seen all these games. And, you know, the first, you know, more than half of the first games against Boston, I mean, they were just washed. They were, they were, they were horrible. Um, I like your Boston accent when you say Boston. I need my cockies. But, like, to me, it's like you didn't see an improvement from the Flyers. You saw a regression each game. You watched them play against Boston. I mean, there was just no no way, you know, this season they, I could see them beating Boston. And they did. They beat them twice. That's, you know, thank the Lord. But, yeah, I just, it's disappointing. I don't know if it's them versus the season and the format of the season. I think I really feel like, yeah, COVID really screws things up, but I feel like we shouldn't be changing, you know, the integrity of these leagues and changing the formats of these leagues. You know, we need to, you know, try to figure something out and, you know, make it as normal as possible. Well, I think next year, you know, hopefully things will be back to almost normal with more vaccines and hopefully this pandemic dying down even further. You know, by t- by the time September October rolls around and the season's supposed to start again, when do you go for number two? I go tomorrow, one o'clock. Oh, nice! I go Saturday I, uh, morning. I can't wait. Hopefully, I don't get sick. You know, if anything, hopefully, I get superpowers. 
Yeah. You know, or, you know, hopefully I don't turn into the Red Skull either. You know, hopefully the serum thinks I'm a good person and, you know, I become a super soldier and not a super villain. Right. <laughs> um, but, yeah, hopefully, you know, if this pandemic dies down, we're able to go back to the old conference, you know, inter, you know, old, old divisions, you know, old conferences and all, the usual format on how the uh, regular season went. Because the more diverse teams you're playing, you know, it, you're gonna build more wins. I feel like, and the, I, I think that's something that may hurt, may have hurt the Flyers. I'm not gonna blame the whole season on this because you know the Capitals, Islanders, Bruins, um, Penguins, Rangers—they're all dealing with the same thing, and you know they seem to be doing just fine. But just... Yeah, but these teams—they're like they're they're built for this type of action. I feel they're right. They got those bully type players, but and the scores. Yeah, the scores, but those bullying, those brunt type players, you know, whereas the Flyers in the last two years have become more finesse and, you know, there's not a whole lot of nitty-gritty, even though, you know, their mascot's gritty, you know, there's not a whole lot of that. (laughs) It's more finesse, it's, you know, beautiful, it's, you know, you got the young guys, it's, I don't know, I just, just, to me, they're this type of season, I just feel like this team's not built for it. I mean, this season, though, I don't really think finesse, I think. Phil, did you drink a Coke today? Did you drink a Pepsi today? You did, eh? I don't do that. I don't do that. F***ing pigeon. That's how I think, you know. They don't look fast. They don't look finesse at all. They just look tired. You know, so, I mean... After I saw that four to one and now six to one loss today, old friend. <laughs> yeah, it's over. Hang, hang, right. hang this season. Moving on. Uh, Moving on to those hit some beautiful seventy sixers. Uh, I mean, last night they played uh, Dallas Mavs. Uh, nice, you know, eighteen point. Win 113 and 95. Uh, Joel Embiid with a beautiful 36 point game, really starting to come back into himself. Uh, I mean, it's always a guy you can count on. Hopefully, there's no more injuries for the rest of the year. But, you know, the big disappointment Ben Simmons. Yeah, uh, looking on it, you know, since we last spoke, since last Tuesday, uh, you know, Sixers have been 3 and 1. Simmons. You know, 12 points against the Celtics, 10 against the Pelicans in that in that one loss, 13 against the Thunder, and then 8 against the Mavs. Again, I know he plays great defense and all, but again, especially if you're going to have be missing Embiid from time to time, that just, to me, isn't enough. You know, like yesterday, he, he had six, 6 rebounds, 7 assists, with only 8 points. You know, you got to have somebody, you know, you got to want to make the other team guard you, and he's just not doing that. You know, I you know I think he's been throwing a couple more jump shots up, but still not enough. And then like the game against the Thunder the other day, uh, twenty eight minutes he has three rebounds, three assists, thirteen points. Again, that's just that's crap in my opinion. Um, and then go- I mean, obviously you're not getting a whole lot of babying like you did with Brett Brown, but I am not seeing a an improved. Ben Simmons, I'm not seeing I agree. a coach that's trying to push him to his greatest limits, you know. 
those sharp shots, those threes, you know, that just, just the conscious decision to make a shot, right. you know, is all this guy is missing from being great, being, being the face of basketball, not named LeBron James. I mean, he's just missing just these few, very few capabilities that why can't you just even try to show it? Exactly. And then, like, against the Pelicans in 34 minutes, the guy only had nine rebounds, six assists, ten points. And then going back to the Celtics game last Tuesday when we last spoke, um, 36 minutes, only four rebounds, six assists, 12 points. Again, like, that's just not enough for a guy that's supposed to be one of our superstars. And he, he's got to be one of the guys that helps take us far in the playoffs. And until he stuffs it up, you know, are we just going to be another second-round exit like we are every year? We can't deal with that every year. Yeah. But then, like uh, like we were talking about Embiid, the guy has just proven his worth, proven why he should be the MVP and why he means the most to his team. Because they just look great when he's in there. You know, game against the Celtics, you know, in 33 minutes he had six rebounds, only one assist, but he's not really an assist guy. But he had 35 points. Um, yeah. And then the game against the Pelicans, a little bit... Of, a rare off night for him, so to speak. He only had, in, in 31 minutes, he had nine rebounds, one assist, but only 14 points. But Tobias Harris kind of, you know, stepped up in that game. You know, I, I realize it did lose, but, you know, in 34 minutes, he did have seven rebounds, three assists, and 23. And then uh, looking at the Thunder game, Embiid, he had uh, nine rebounds, four assists, 27 points. And then... Yesterday against the Mavs, big game for him. Uh, 26 minutes, 7 rebounds, 2 assists, 36 points. So, again, like, when, when he's in there, the Sixers look like a completely different team. And they look yeah, like a I team mean, that can go far. We just got to hope this guy can stay healthy throughout the season. Hopefully he's keeping his diet on track, too, so he doesn't get sick. You know, if he could stay in there, the Sixers have a chance to move forward. But they're only going to go as far as him and Simmons type them. You know, I think the step that... Joel Embiid has taken this year has really proven his maturity. Um, you know, to me, that's a step where I feel like you can get past the second round with Joel Embiid on this team. Um, but you 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 need the guys around him. I mean, he has Seth Curry. He's got to wake up. He's got to make sure that he's awake. You know, all these games. You can't be going games with zero points. Come on now. Yeah, and uh, 26 you're minutes, the guy had zero points against the Pelicans. Like, how, how do you not score a single point? Yeah, in 26 I mean, you're, minutes. you're a sharpshooter, you know, you're, you should be making, you should be getting some points there. I mean, you'll have guys like Tobias Harris, you know, hopefully he's awake and, uh, you know, he gets, you know, his 18, 20, 25 points. That'll be a nice type of games. Uh, I mean, you're going to get, you know, some defensive play out of, you know, Danny Green. You can't expect, you know, too much out of him, but you'll, you'll get the threes. You'll get, you'll get some nice shots out of him, but, you know, it's time for these two franchise players, Joel Embiid and Ben Simmons, to take this team to the next level. And no, I'm not talking about Joel Embiid. I'm talking about Ben Simmons because Ben Simmons is the one that's holding up this team from being NBA Finals, you know, champions, elite, the elite, consistent elite team. If he could develop that shot or he can even just show that he's willing to commit to developing that shot – this team would be extremely scary. You know, 
to me, Embiid is, I agree with you 100,000%, is the MVP. He was a little injured for a couple weeks, but has really proven his worth. You know, I don't care what that, you know, lame dude Howard Eskin has to say. You know, he thinks uh, Jokic is MVP. I don't even think the guy watches basketball. I mean, he's, you know, a football guy. But he, he makes no sense. I mean, Embiid's numbers outweigh Jokic, you know, in every aspect. Um, he's proven to be, you know, the leader of a team. Jokic is not a leader of the team. You know, he's a very good player, and he's, you know, going to have, you know, high statistics. But to me... Nobody is anywhere close to Embiid right now. Not even Kevin Durant. You know, he can't even make it on a basketball court. Yeah, and Simmons actually had a good quote um, about the Nets. You know, they're very talented. They got talent all around. But at the end of the day, there's only one ball, and you got you still got to play defense. And I don't think that's a very defensive team right there. You know, I think two of their guys, and I think me and you have discussed this before, Blake Griffin and LaMarcus Aldridge, they're washed. Um you know, they're still talented, Very. but they're not what they were, you know, five years ago. Kyrie, I, I just don't feel like he's a leader. Like I said, you know, the fact that he went on that hiatus this year just shows that, in my opinion. He's a baby. Um, yeah, I mean, with Kyrie, he is scary. I mean, that speed, that young, that, not young, but that's, you know, shorter guy speed. Yeah, he's definitely a good player, but he's not fearful in any way. Yeah, I, I don't really get scared of him too much. And then, you know, Kevin Durant's too busy, you know, fighting with Michael Rappaport in his DMs and, you know, say, oh, yeah. saying inappropriate nonsense, you know, instead of playing basketball. You know, I think the only one he's actually doing anything worthwhile on that team is James Harden, and you know he's not going to play defense. And he's got a bum knee right now, so, you know, he's not up to snuff. So, and again, yeah, again, another defensive guy, uh, another guy that lacks defense, you know. Yeah, we have a Matisse Thibel. Yeah, we got a guy like Matisse Thibel. <laughs> hey, and like scoring wise, too, even off the bench, you know, another guy that I, you know, was looking at that. And that's a pretty, uh, pretty good numbers the last four games. So, you know, Furkan, you know, people want to crap on him a lot. But the guy, you know, ten, had 10 points against the Celtics, 12 points against the Pelicans, and that lost. But then the last two games against the Thunder and Mass at 20 each. You know, don't sleep on him. You know, he if he can play like that, you know, going forward and into the playoffs coming off the bench, you know, that's going to be a big contributor for us. Well, the thing with Korkmaz is I, I think, you know, the team starts to focus a little bit on him, and then that's where he starts to, you know, tumble down a little bit. You know, when you get him in – certain doses like games like last night and you know a couple days ago like he could be lights out but you can't get that consistency out of him oh yeah like i don't i think the key with him is you don't play him like big minutes you know yeah. you get him you know off the bench a little bit give some of the starters a breast um maybe like 15 minutes a game or so maybe a little more maybe a little less but um you get like you said small doses and that, that'll be a big contributor off the bench now, any idea what's the what's the story with George Hill? Is he coming back anytime soon? Uh, I I thought he was supposed to be coming back soon. Um, I mean, I heard they were keeping him out today. I don't know if that means he's he's gonna or keeping him out yesterday. I don't know if he's that means he's gonna play again uh, in the next game. Uh, who they got? I mean, they might keep him out a little bit longer. They I got mean, Brooklyn might... tomorrow. 
it might it might hinder them a little bit. Um, to me, as long as they can get him in and acclimated with the team and the chemistry, you know, give him a couple games, you know, just to get used to things. I mean, you're gonna have a team like, you know, like Brooklyn. I mean, they got guy, you got players with bum knees and injuries, and you know, how, you know, players that don't even care, you know, about playing basketball in general, Kyrie, um, but. You know, these guys, you know, they're going to have to redevelop their chemistry and, you know, work as plan because, I mean, this is a bunch of new players on this team. I mean, they only got Blake Griffin a couple months ago and, you know, Aldridge, you know, at the trade deadline. Um, and, you know, they're losing bench players too as a result of these, you know, trades. Um, so, I mean, the chemistry is going to have to be big for them. I'm, I'm a little bit more satisfied with having, you know, our core guys out there you know, on the court, and have a guy like George, you know, Hill, you know, coming off the bench because it's a less chemistry needed. Yeah, our guys just got to stay healthy and stay consistent. I mean, when we when we have Simmons and Bede, Tobias, Danny Green, and Seth Curry all in the starting lineup, we've only had, I think, like four or five losses all season. And so that, that goes to show you something. We got, you know, and I think Embiid's a big part of that, obviously. But, uh, you know, if we can keep that core intact for the rest of this year, I think look out. I think we can take the Nets. And really beyond the Nets, I'm not really scared of anybody else. I mean, you know, the Bucks. I think they got lucky in that last game against us. You know, they came back and with like a couple minutes left. I think if Embiid was playing in that game, that would easily have been a W for us. Um, and then everybody else under the Bucks, I think, is just there to be there. Like, it's, like typically the Eastern Conference is. I mean... I feel like typically after the first three, maybe four tops in the Eastern Conference, five through eight is just garbage. <laughs> yeah, it's just, you know, practice. Yeah, like first round, you know, nor- normally a top seed should win those games or win those series. Like the Hornets? The Hornets are, you know, sixth seed? I think those guys are going to fall down even further. Um, I-, I hate to overrate overrate him just because i can't stand the guy's father but uh lamello ball should be the rookie of the year and i think without him i don't think they're as good uh they're definitely not but like, i mean it's he's just... actually surprised me this year i thought he was just like an overrated ball hog that like was built up in a certain way in high school um but you know, that kid actually has some talent and well, i mean makes even, it look easy too you know even you know prior to you know being drafted to the nba i mean People thought of him as being better than his brother. I mean, oh, Lonzo. I mean, the, the the crazy thing about Lonzo though is, I mean, he came into this league and he just stunk. You know, eight eight point a game guy, a four point a game guy. You know, it's you know he might pass the ball cool and you know have some slick moves, but he he did no damage. But like I think this year has kind of shown that he's grown too in a sense. You know, he's a guy. That he might not be your prototypical starting point guard anymore. He might be a coming off the bench guy like a George Hill, but I think he's starting to show his newfound worth. Right, like and he had that crazy, you know, weird jump shot. You know, where it started at his hip and went up. Yeah, I mean, at this point, I would rather have him than you know have drafted you know Markel Fultz. Oh yeah, I would take I would take Lonzo over Markel Fultz any day. I'd take anybody over Markel Fultz. Um, 
yeah, I mean, but obviously this isn't a Hornets show. Uh, Sixers, yeah. uh, Philadelphia show here, so let's get back on track. But, yeah, I mean, that's all I got, got to really say here is, you know, these guys stay healthy, stay consistent, and if Simmons can just find his game and start shooting and taking over games like he did in that Utah game, you know, this team can go far finally, especially yeah. with the right coaching and uh, Doc. I mean, they got, you know, a very good home record, and as long as they can maintain this number one seed, it's going to be a hard-fought you know, fight here, you know, with, you know, the Nets. You know, I feel like the Nets are going to have it handed down to them easy, whereas the Sixers might have a little bit of a tougher road, you know, ahead of them. But, you know, to me, if they can maintain that first seed, I mean, I don't I, I don't know how you cannot say that the team's going to make it to the NBA Finals. I mean, they got, they got you know, the second-best home record, you know, in all of the league. Yeah, um... Yeah, they keep like that's all I can really say. So they they keep playing like this, and understandably they're gonna have some off nights, but you know they keep that core intact. You know, keep playing well at home, stay somewhat consistent on the road. I think they can make the NBA Finals. Now I guess uh, moving on, we got the Phillies. Not a very good day today so far. Uh, lost the opening game of a doubleheader, four to three on a walk off. Uh, base hit to the Mets and right now they're down three to nothing as well they're down four nothing now Uh, four nothing now yeah just started off hot yeah what we were five and oh and then just seems like we kind of fell off uh currently five and three you know if this doesn't change we're about to be five and four um we're not hitting the ball enough that's you know pitching looks fine you know bullpen looks good it's just these guys are not hitting the ball you know, too many, yeah, so as a, too many goose eggs on that, uh, hit, you know, hitting stat. I mean, as of right now, the Sixers are six and four. They'll end up possibly going six and five, depending on the result of this game. Right. I mean, you, you, you get, you know, it's it's weird because you get like odd, odd, oddly good bats. You don't get consistent bats. You get oddly good bats. Um, you'll get, you know, four strikeouts in a row, and then the next inning, you'll get, you know two batters hitting or you'll get a home run and it's just, it's all random and everything seems to be in the beginning of games not towards the end um i mean pitching has been great to start but i mean since then it's kind of you know dwindled down a little bit and we're just not playing we can't really play well on the road and i just i really i really don't get get why um it's not like we're they have a crazy amount of fans in every ballpark i mean they are making it's a lot more noise than it was last year, obviously, because there was no fans. But they go on the road and they just can't. They just can't hit the ball, and I don't know why. Yeah, I mean, you got a guy like uh, Archie Bradley right now, who's uh, on the ten-day injured list. Uh, it looks like he's got an oblique injury. Um, hopefully, we can get him back going. Uh, I mean, to me, I mean, as of right now, I haven't really. Felt like I needed to complain much about pitching. I feel like pitching is kind of, you know, in some aspects, you know, there are a couple mistakes there, but uh, your your bats aren't really competing right now. Um, you know, I just, I just, I don't want, I, I, I want a best of both worlds here. I want, I want some good pitching. I want some decent pitching, and I want some good bats. And right now, we're not getting that. Right, and you know, one guy who I think has been pretty, uh, pretty cold right, 
cold this season so far has been Andrew McCutcheon. He really hasn't hit much that at all this year. Like today, um, in, the, in the two games today, he's had four at bats. I think he's gotten one run just because he was a he got on base, you know, as part of the new rule where in extra innings and you know in double headers you only have seven innings, but in extra innings you start with somebody on second to try to speed up the game. So he had in four bats had no hits. Yesterday he had nothing. Um, back on uh, Sunday, four at bats, no hits. You know, the other on the tenth on Saturday. He had one hit and one RBI uh, in three at-bats. And then uh, Friday, four at-bats, just one hit and one RBI. You know, he's just, he's not connecting enough. You know, Hoskins is looking better this year. I think he's hitting it more. Harper's kind of on and off. He's okay, not great. He's not where, he's not playing worth his contract right now. Um, I think our best hitter is actually Gene Segura if I remember correctly. Well, I mean, you're getting, you know, some pretty decent consistency with, like, D.D. Gregorius, but... So, there's that. And then, uh, well, yesterday, we... Against the uh, Braves, we won by the skin of our teeth. Or, not yesterday, uh, what was it? Sunday, we won by the skin of our teeth. Uh, finally, Philly gets a call in their favor. <laughs> uh, Alec Bohm, let me, t- let me ask your opinion on this. First off, you know, you got Alec on third, and I think there was two outs at the time. Um, Didi hits a shallow fly ball. You know, I if I was on third, I wouldn't have tagged. But uh, third base, base coach tells Alec to tag up. And bang-bang-wise, uh, he slides into home. You know, it looks safe. Umpire calls it safe. We take the lead. Um, but, the you know, they obviously challenged it or reviewed it. And the more closely you look at it, it just didn't look like his toe ever touched the home plate. You know, the player well could have, like a, you know, by the, t- by a toenail almost. I know he's in a cleat, but you know what I mean. Um, but you never really clearly see him touch home plate. But they upheld the call, and we ended up winning that game as a result. Yeah, I mean, there's, you know, it's a tale of, you know, camera angles. I mean, there's a camera angle out there that's showing his big toe is crossing home plate um there's also another angle that's showing that you know the catcher has them out it really just depends um it's controversial uh i mean when you look at the replay you see you know alec Baum's leg going to home plate but then you see you know the catcher's leg you know kicking into Alec Baum's, you know, leg, you uh, pretty much, you know, obstructing his way to home plate. Um, you know, uh, ba- uh, Major League Baseball has a, uh, you know, baseball rule uh, for obstruction. I mean, I'll read you the definition right now, um, and we could kind of, you know, act on that. So it's the act of a fielder who, while not in possession of the ball and not in the act of fielding the ball, impedes the progress of any runner. So to me, you know, when you start to get farther down into um, into this rule, um, one of the things you think of is, you know, the pitcher has every or the catcher has every right at home plate 
to block the plate. I mean, it's kind of a given. It's, you know, unless the ball goes, you know, way away from the catcher. I mean, the, you're, you're taught in baseball to put it in that, the hands of the catcher right in front of the plate so that there's no way for that player to cross home plate in any way. You know, to me, you know, obstruction is looking at that leg, is that kicking motion. You're not allowing the player to even remotely cross home plate. Um, you know, you start thinking of the idea of the possession of the ball um, or you're fielding the ball. Um, you know, there's a lot of controversy in whether or not that kicking motion is, you know, allowed because of the fielding of the ball or having possession of the ball. But, you know, I've done some reading and, I mean, my opinion's pretty much built that in, in that instance, his, his uh, you know, kicking motion impeding, um, you know, the runner from even having an ability to touch home plate. Obviously, you could block it. So he, you know, let's say Alec Baum is running towards the catcher. You see often, you know, that the runner hits the catcher, runs right into the catcher. Right, he's blocking home plate. He's not obstructing home plate. Right, you know, and for catchers, it's not very easy to not maybe not obstruct because, you know, like you said, fielding wise, they, you know, that ball is coming to home plate. There's really nowhere else they can go to catch the ball. So yeah, you know, that's coming straight at them. They got to stay where they are, stay in front of the, stay in front of the runner, stay in front of the ball at the same time. So they really don't have many options there. And like I said, it was a bang bang play. It's not. I'm sure the catcher didn't intend on kicking his leg out, but just is what it was. And again, you know, because the call on the field was safe, you know, they really had no clear-cut evidence to overturn it because they didn't have a proper cam camera angle. I mean, if they called it out on the field, then they probably could have kept, you know, would have stayed out too. So there really just was no clear evidence to call it, you know, either way. So the call on the field was going to stay no matter what. And how about this? And you know what? This is go ahead. This is where what I find funny is, you know, Philly fans always get so much disrespect and, you know, are always treated like garbage because, you know, we're tough on our teams and we're tough on other people. You know, we if we don't like something, we're going to boo. We're going to be upset. You know, we we attack other other, you know, teams fans. I mean, it might not be physical and it might be out of fun, but. You know, we might be a little tough and we might be a little scary to go to the stadiums, but, you know, that that amount of embarrassment... That ain't true! We're nice. That, that, that amount of embarrassment that the Atlanta Braves fans had displayed that night is unreal. You just read my mind. Total lack of respect. I was actually just about to say that, too. You read my mind. Yeah, like, ESPN wants to say, oh, Philadelphia should be used to that. Are you, are you kidding me? Yeah, we've seen bad call, a lot of bad calls in our time in every different sport. I was even at a Flyers game back in, I think it was 2018, and, you know, my girlfriend, now fiancé, I'm sorry, fiancé Casey will now t will tell you this, that I was screaming and cursing in front of children that the rest made a terrible call, and they did. She had to drag me out. But I didn't throw anything on the ice. I didn't fight anybody. These guys are throwing debris on the field for, what, this what was it, the seventh game, eighth game of the season? You're throwing debris on the field because the umpire made a bad call? 
Are you are you and ESPN wants to say we're used to that? We don't do that. You know, and stop bringing up the whole Eagles fans through snowballs at Santa or batteries. That was the freaking 60s and 70s. Get over that. You know, I, I just feel like ESPN loves to trash Philadelphia for some reason. It's a tired narrative. I mean, to me, it's an easy call to make. Uh, you know, yeah, it's Philly easy. Fan, you know, Philly fans are so hardcore that, it, I mean, it's so e- it's so easy to pass judgment. But when you get, you know, disgraceful act like, you know, those Atlanta Braves fans. I mean, you're seeing those couple cute situations with, you know, the uh, Phillies fan giving, you know, the baseball to yeah, we were uh, the nice little ones. Braves fans, you know, and it's, you know, it's it. It, to me, there there's so much you know you can you can do. I mean, I feel like in every instance you always find the excuse to, you know, make the, you know, Eagles fans look or the Philly fans in general look bad. You know, I just wanted to like tell those Braves fans, Daddy, chill. You know, you don't need to. Daddy, chill. It, it's only eight games in. Yeah, it's one thing if this was like playoff implications, but damn, you're eight games in. Chill out. You know, Philly fans would not throw things on the field because of that. Especially from the outfield. You're not hitting an umpire from the outfield. What are you doing? That's so stupid. I think Braves fans are the new trash team. Or, or the new trash fans. Well, I guess we'll touch on a little bit of Eagles news here. There isn't much to report right now. We do have the draft coming up soon. But uh, recent reports came out uh, the other day that uh, I guess it was set that Doug Peterson has been saying that... Um, Howie Roseman and Jeffrey Lurie were treating him and basically, you know, like a child and questioning every little decision that he made, you know, wanting to bring back certain coaches or certain personnel. He was questioned and, you know, if he didn't make the right call or didn't do what Jeffrey and Howie wanted, he would be fired along, you know, with them, you know, when he wanted to fire, uh, God, it feels like so long ago now because of this pandemic, uh, who were the, who was the freaking offensive coordinator and, uh, quarterbacks co- or receivers coach, back in who Mike Rowe yeah Mike Rowe and uh whoever that receivers coach was yeah because he didn't want to fire them you know he's Lurie's like all right well you know you don't fire them you're fired too now granted I agree those guys weren't all that great but we were in the playoffs with them (laughs) you know yeah this year not so much but it's start you know it's crazy a difference a couple years makes you know 2017 and before even like 2018 you didn't really hear too much of this kind of stuff that, like, Lurie and Roseman were way too involved with, like, personnel decisions or, like, on-the-field decisions and, you know, making the coach's life a living hell for the most part, you know, not being able to, you know, properly run a team. You know, that's Dallas Cowboys nonsense. You know, what are these guys doing? The pre- the own- owner, just let the general manager do what he's supposed to do, and if, you know, he's not producing results, then you get rid of him. But let him make that those, uh you know, trades, you know, restructures you know if he's good make the draft picks you know have some good scouts surrounding him let the coach make have some input on that as well and then you let the coach make the on the field decisions on who's playing every sunday sun sunday thursday you know i guess at any day of the week now based off last year um you know let him make those decisions there should be a chain here like the owner should not be making all these you know making every decision for the football team and the general manager should you stick, you know, every every uh, person on the, you know, like the owner, GM, coach, they should all be staying in their own lanes. You know. Yeah, 
I mean, when you think about it, I mean, there's a, a, I wish I could find the name, and I've actually been sitting here trying to figure out the name of the scout who came out and was, you know, talking, you know, the style that, you know, Jeffrey Lurie is presenting, um, you know, in terms of these, you know, controversial, you know, management styles is, you know, you would think, you know, being, you know, billion dollar company and wanting to make sure that it is up the sniff, you know, what, you know, if me as a, a scouting scouting rep for this team, you know, I, I need my opinion, you know, cross-examined to make sure, you know, what I'm doing is right. You know, it's kind of in the same boat with, you know, Doug Peterson. I mean, Doug Peterson turned into a very vanilla guy. And uh, to me, maybe Jeffrey Lurie shouldn't have been worried about, you know, passing the ball so much when the team was built off of running. You know, that's a mistake that he needed to, you know, probably drop. But at the same time, you know, if you're running very vanilla, I wouldn't be happy as an owner. I want to see better. I want to see more. And to me, I'm going to have to step in. I can't just sit in my, you know, beautiful suite and just mind my own mouth when, you know, there's money to be had with, you know, having a better team on the field. Yeah, I mean, I know in, maybe in certain instances, yeah, you are going to speak up and say, like, hey, something needs to change here. But still, like, you got to stay somewhat stay in your own lane and let the, you know, let the experts make these decisions. And obviously, it just goes to show you, too, other than, you know, getting us out of salary cap hell, you know, for a season. Howie Roseman's no expert. He should have been fired. Um, but, you know, like I said, these guys all got to stay in their own separate lanes. I just I feel like an organization cannot be run properly when you know you're getting in each other's ways and it just that's starting to sound like what it is and like even trey burton was talking about that uh the other day how it just seems like these coaches can't really have full say on what they want to do on the field because of the general manager because of the owner i mean i to me i really wouldn't put you know the eagles you know in some dumpster fire situation i mean there's so many teams out there that even if they're playoff contenders or you know middle of the pack type teams like i i think there's a lot more worse situations here in the nfl than you know jeffrey lurie and howie roseman i mean yeah how uh you know jeffrey lurie shouldn't be you know clicking his you know super bowl ring on the table every time somebody has an opposing opinion in him but you know, uh, to me, I think Lurie, he, he could take some steps back, don't get me wrong, but I feel like as a, you know, Super Bowl winning team and a team that, you know, wants to continue winning Super Bowls and are finding ways to maintain that, I feel like you as a business owner need to be in with your business. I mean, people like to say so much like, oh, he doesn't know football or like these owners don't know football or the general managers don't know football quite like a coach do does. But Jeffrey Lurie has been in this the league for decades now. It's not as if he's, you know, Howie Roseman that's been in here for, you know, two decades. I mean, this guy's owned the Eagles for quite some time now. It's not it's he's it's not like, you know, uh, Alex Rodriguez buying the Minnesota Timberwolves. I mean, that's a complete different, you know, business he's rolling it, rolling into. You know what I mean? It, you know, he's he's got to have some form of knowledge, or I would think a great deal of knowledge of football at this point. It's just quick breaking news. 
Mets beat the Phillies four to nothing. Today, old friend. <laughs> Just another loss. Zero and two, or I guess zero and three today. Yep, it just we can't. It just seems like lately we can't catch a break. Flyers, Nets, just the Sixers are the only bright spot right now. But to you know, go back to that. I just, I really, you know, over the years, I'm sure Howie, or I'm sorry, not Howie, Jeffrey Lurie has you know picked up a lot of football knowledge. But you know, buying this team, I don't think he was a huge football expert. He just had the money and bought the team. I think he was kind of in the movie business to start with, and I think he kind of still is. Um, you know, just personally wise, though, you hire people to do certain things. You don't want to micromanage every single part of the team. And I think that's just where you start to run into problems and start to run into drama. And I think that's just where the whole Doug Peterson thing fell apart. It's just you can't let you won't let the guy make a decision on his coaching staff. You you know how he won't let him pick the players that are playing on the field. It just gets to be a little ridiculous, you know what I mean? And I think they got to, you know, obviously, yeah, you're going to have to open your mouth in certain aspects if things aren't going well. But like I said, I just, you got to let guys do their things for a while. I mean, yeah, I, I agree. Um, you know, one of the things that you do got to think about too is, you know, Jeffrey Lurie is really, really good friends with, you know, our rivals, you know, Jeffrey, uh, I'm sorry, Jerry Jones of the Dallas Cowboys, you know, we all know Jerry Jones. He is the owner, the president, the vice president, the general manager, the assistant general manager, the assistant to the general manager. And, I mean, I'm, I wouldn't be surprised if he's coaching up there from the suite. <laughs> you know, it just seems like his footprint is on everything. And to me, that's where I don't want Jeffrey Lurie to go. I mean, but I also want, you know, the one perk or the one good thing about jerry jones is that he knows it's his problem you know he knows if his team sucks or you know something's going wrong he's the first guy to go onto a radio show and say uh, you know his mistakes and you know what he needs to do to get better you know I, you don't see a I whole lot of that playing very well exactly like you don't see a whole lot of that with jeffrey Lurie. you don't see because he always you know, has scapegoats yeah, it's, you know, he's hiding behind people. You know, he's he's created an environment where, you know, he wants to always be right, but when he's not right, he has somebody else to blame and not himself. Right, like he wants to have all these opinions on things, but then, you know, when things go south, you have a head coach to fire. I mean, eventually you'll probably have a general manager to fire, but, you know, you know your calls are never going to be questioned because you own the team. You're not going anywhere. You know, I don't want to keep entirely trashing Jeffrey Lurie because he does a lot of good things for the organization. You know, the Eagles Autism Challenge is a great organ, you know, a great organization, a great um, fundraiser. I took part in that one two years now, and or for two years, and it was great. First year was awesome because we got to really meet, mingle with some players. I did get to meet Jeffrey Lurie briefly. Um, so that I mean, was we a can't forget. You know, it's a big deal. You know, my son Oliver is does have autism. Yes, um, it does. You know, don't ever, don't ever think that that's any sort of disease or disorder or anything like that. It's absolutely not. It is, it's, you know, it's just a difference in learning. It's, that's all it is. It's, there's nothing wrong right. with autism. You know, it's, it's a beautiful thing. Yep. Uh, so, you know, he did that and obviously got us that Super Bowl. You know, I just hope this Super Bowl isn't going to his head where he thinks he needs to be, have input on every little detail. Um, right. Just, just let your let your coaches, let your general manager do their thing. 
I think maybe you need to be a little more on the general manager that, you know, he, cause I think how he needs to be in the hot seat this year, he's got to get the picks right. And speaking of the picks, you know, I don't want to get too deep into this cause you know, in two weeks, we're going to have a draft special on this show and really try to get into, you know, who we expect the Eagle to take. Um, cause they're at, I think it starts April 29th is the first day of the draft. Um, but getting rumors here, two different situations that, you know, if uh, Oregon outside lineman or I'm sorry, offensive tackle Panay Sewell drops, we're going to race to the podium to take him. And I I wouldn't necessarily Mm -hmm. complain about that because, you know, our offensive line was terrible last year. Um, so that wouldn't be too much of an issue in my eyes, but another rumor I'm hearing again is if, oh, if one of these quarterbacks fall, you know, if, uh, Trey Lance or Justin Fields, if any one of these guys fall, you know, we're, we might trade up to take them. We are worse. We are quarterback developers. We want to be a quarterback factor. We have the, again, you know, I'm going to say this to him blue in the face, give Jalen Hurts a freaking chance. I, you know, take somebody later in the draft, you know, to, you know, maybe develop and have it as a backup because obviously now you're you know your only other quarterback on the team is joe flacco flacco but um do not take a quarterback in the first round please or the second round or the third round for that i mean you're gonna you're you're gonna continue to hear those rumors um because you don't got carson wentz on your team anymore you don't have the definitive you know franchise quarterback as we thought he was but you know you got a guy that's got a lot of promise but doesn't have he doesn't have that first round, you know, butte to him. Um, but yeah, I agree. You got to get, you know, Jalen Hurts his chance. I think he's going to pan out. He might not be the best, and you know, you might be looking for a quarterback in the next couple of years. However, he is giving you that that gap of time to know whether or not he's going to pan out or yeah. not. You don't do it this um, year because you got you got the three first round picks next. You know, but you sh- you're likely going to have three first round picks next year. You know, you can you can use that to package a deal, which maybe go get like a guy like Russell Wilson, depending on how the Seahawks do this year, or you know, depending on how you finish this year, which probably isn't going to be all that great. You know, hopefully not, or you know, hopefully we do well, but all likelihood, you know, all signs point to mediocre to bad this coming year. So we should have a high pick. So where if we need a quarterback, we can take one, and we'll have three picks to do. You know. We'll have three picks, so it's not like, you know, we take a quarterback, you know, that's it. We're going to ha- be able to take maybe another receiver, another lineman, something like that, you know, help on the defense in the first round. So give Hurts a chance to s- let's see what he's got with a full offseason, full OTAs, full training camp, full preseason. Get actual some, get him some actual weapons, get guys healthy, and let's see what this kid can actually do um, without any excuses. Hopefully he stays healthy. I hope he does great. He seems like a good guy. Um, but just let's see how he does. Do not – and let's limit distractions for him. Do not bring in a distraction. Don't do what you did to Carson Wentz. I mean, this team really needs to look at skill right now. Um, right. A wide receiver, cornerback. Uh, those are your two biggest needs right now. It's cornerback, wide receiver. Absolutely. You, you pick one or the other. Obviously, you're not going to reach for, you know, I mean, to me, you know, if – Jamar Chase, Kyle Pitts, Devontae Smith, or uh, Jalen Waddell are on the board. Obviously, the first two, most likely not, but the second two, high chance that they will be on the board. Those are high priorities. Anybody else, if those guys are all taken, you you need to move on to a different position. So, to me, you know, probably at this point on the board, you're looking at, you know, 
you know, Patrick Sertain is going to be your number one wider, number one cornerback in this uh, draft. Um, he's most likely going to get taken. I, you know, to me, you're going to be looking at, you know, Caleb Farley. You're going to be looking at Jace Horn. Um, people are saying Asante Samuel Jr., but he's a back end first round guy, probably an early second round guy. Um, but to me, you're looking at one of those two. If neither, if none of those wide receivers are on the board, you then put your focus on cornerback. I mean, you can you can trade back and maybe get more value as long as you're not pushing yourself too far back, where you start getting yourself into like the high end, you know, huge promise first round picks. I mean, your your top twelve uh, first round picks they should all pan out to be a starter in some way. But, um, you know, you can get some value out of the guys, uh, you know, like the linebacker at Penn State. Um, you know, those are some of your guys. I mean, Penny Sewell, you know, it might be great. We we shouldn't be in the market for a tackle. We should not be. Yeah, I'm not um, saying we should, like, go out of our way to get him. But if they did, sh- if they did take Penny, I, I, I don't think I would complain necessarily because, again, we do need depth on that offensive line, you know, because, you know, again, we, it showed last year that, you know, one guy goes down, we could be in trouble. But you, you do, why do you need three starting caliber um, left offensive tackles, well, left the, tackles? Well, the one thing I'll say is uh, as far as left tackle, I mean, granted um, – you know, crap. Why am I blanking on the guy's name now? Andre Dillard. On, I mean, Andre Dillard. I, I don't. I mean, we'll see what he's got this coming year. But uh, he's been hurt and really hasn't done much when he did play. And then you got um. The Australian. But when he played, when he played though, uh, he only had like one or two games where he struggled. I mean, uh, he struggled against um, you know, the Cowboys. Uh, Robert Quinn specifically is who he struggled against but like as far as letting up too much he really didn't i mean he he balled out against uh um who's the uh chicago bears defensive end oh um khalil mack yeah khalil mack thank you um you know he made that guy invisible uh he was a non-factor but yeah uh jordan maylatas who's the Australian left tackle. Yeah, I mean, he looked good, and I think, you know, if he just keeps it up and get, just keeps getting better, he'll be great. And like I said, I'm not going out of my way to get an offensive lineman. It's just you want to have that option. You know, it's not like a it's not like a quarterback deal where, you know, it's a guy who's probably not going to see the field right away. You know, these offensive linemen, you never know. And like I said, this guy could go over to right tackle. You never know. Lane Johnson, he's getting up there. He's getting injury prone. He's sore almost every day. He's still working his ass off, I know that, but you know, we, we need to be ready just in case these guys go down because as it showed last year, one of these guys goes down, we're in trouble. Yeah, I mean, it. again, I'm not disagreeing, um, I, not at all with you. It's just when you see those reports like, oh, they're going to be running to the stand with the cue card to pick him, I think that's a little outrageous. And I feel like... I don't you know, think he'll fall reads, that far, though. Yeah, when you read that stuff, I mean, you got to get real with understanding, you know, some of the, like, the media out there. It's like, that just screams clickbait 101. Most likely. You know, there, there's like some, some of these reports are just, you know, 
whatever helps the cash flow you know to me it's it's reckless i think you're pinning the wrong target you know on the wrong people at the wrong times you know yeah is howie roseman you know should it definitely should be on the hot seat but i feel like these you know media groups are really trying to get it so that he's automatically fired as opposed to seeing what he could do you know he's got one more shot in my eyes i feel like it's a new it's going to be a new team a new build can he perform i feel like the last couple of years he hasn't had to because the team did have a playoff caliber team right and i don't think that Pedesa will fall that far anyway i mean nah. a i think the Bengals will be fools not to draft an offensive lineman they got to protect joe burrow at all costs yeah. he was running for his life every every day Miami, you know, they could very well take either a receiver or an offensive lineman. Detroit, you know, you never know. Carolina might want to get one to protect Sam Darnold now. Um, Denver, again, they probably want more protection for Drew Locks. So you don't know. And, you know, Dallas, even Dallas needs to rebuild their offensive line because they got old and uh, too expensive. They got injured and too expensive. And even the Giants. So, like, there's a lot of teams in front of the Eagles that are probably in need for an offensive lineman. So, I don't yeah. think he's going to fall. And the other big thing too that we got to consider too is you know you have you know earlier round uh, earlier picks you know of, you know teams that might want to collect more collateral or more assets uh, down the line in this draft or future drafts and you got a lot of uh, teams Patriots the um, football team you know these these two teams alone you know the Chicago Bears you know these guys need quarterbacks i mean chicago bears aren't going you know, starting the season they're not starting the season with you know andy dalton if they are they're clearly tanking you know it, it to me there's teams that need quarterbacks you know mac jones uh trey lance uh you got some of these you know quarterbacks that could be later half of the first round these guys are going to want to trade up and make sure they get their guy so you have more opportunity for, you know, five, six quarterbacks to go, you know, in the first round and pretty high up. What, uh, you know, to me, you're going to be landing any one of you, the top three guys that you have on your first round board. I think the Eagles aren't going to have to settle. I think they're going to be in a good position to draft, you know, their top three uh, players on their draft list. Yeah, I mean, I have high expectations, and like I said earlier, we'll uh, touch a lot, a lot more on this uh, in two weeks when we have a draft special, and we'll go over, you know, all the guys who we think the Eagles should take, uh, who we expect, you know, how the first round to go, things of that nature. Uh, but wow, this has been uh, this has been one of the longest times we talked so far. Episode eight, you know, we were titling this not so great because of the way it's, our team's been playing, but. You know, I feel like this has been one of our better podcasts so far, partner. It definitely. I mean, this week there's just a lot to talk about, even just debating and just seeing, like, all these reports and stuff lately. To me, you know, we got to talk, and, you know, coming up this, you know, next couple weeks, you know, we're going to really start hunting down on, you know, draft prospects and, you know, getting some extra, you know, pro day analysis and, you getting ourselves ready for the draft and uh, we'll get you some uh, mock drafts. I mean, what we could do is 
I, I think what's best, you know, to kind of show, you know, who's, you know, listening, you know, what each of our perspectives are, you know, what I think, you know, the, the Eagles will draft, you know, one through seven. Obviously, you're making it up past, you know, the fourth round. Uh, but, you know, we can maybe we can go on a hitch and say the top three rounds. Yeah, like for me, I mean, I could probably go two rounds after that. It's just I start to kind of not know who's after that. But, you know, we can kind of get a feel for it. You know, whole seven-round mock drafts are, for me, are pretty improbable, you know, because, again, I just don't know everybody that would be going, you know, that well to pinpoint, you know, who goes where. And at that point, too, it's just some teams are just picking people for pick, uh, just to pick people, for, you know, to have some depth or, you know, competition. Right. So, but, you know, I mean, we, we'll at least give you a simulator at that point. Yeah. We'll at least give you, I mean, definitely give you a first round, maybe a second and a third kind of a general idea. But, you know, this, we're going to wrap this up here. You know, I've been Tom for out for one sports. And I'm Anthony and, and uh, thank you for listening. And uh, I'm going to say this going forward because the flyers are inspiring this. Don't be a pigeon. Be a butte. F***ing pigeon! This has been Out for One Sports.